Welcome to View from the Grandstand. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Justin Pora. A lot going on with sports. Everyone looks at March as one of the best sports months on the calendar, and there is a lot that goes into it. And when you're sitting at home watching, there is so much to intake and look at, and there's going to be even more now with the rise in gamification. And that is what will bring in my guest, J.R. McCabe, Chief Business Officer of Consumer Products at Sinclair Broadcast Group, and he's joining me on the podcast today. JR, how's it going? Good, Justin. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's great to have you, and we're going to get into a ton of what you do and Sinclair is doing for the fan experience when viewing sports, but let's take a couple of steps back. Let's look a few years ago, 2019, Sinclair Broadcast Group purchases 21 regional sports networks. They have this rebrand to Bally Sports, which obviously is setting up what is now looking like a historic rise in gamification. So could you tell me and our audience how Sinclair has really modernized regional sports networks since purchasing so many, you know, just three years ago? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. The the marketplaces um, that that Sinclair is is so expert in really are local communities, and and the purchase of the regional sports networks predates me as well, right? So I joined the company after the the, the assets were purchased, but. The company has always been steeped in, in communities and, and uh, informing and entertaining through the stations that we own. You know, we own over 180 TV stations. So basically communities at the core uh, of Sinclair. And, and part of the strategy uh, has always been to develop that, that regional and local connectivity. Um, and so uh, I think, again, you know, the, the strategic elements of what the team did was to take a look at opportunities to go deeper with those relationships. And in that case, with fans and in sports, uh, and so the deal was done um, and to bring in the ability to bring in, um, you know, 40 plus teams across NBA, uh, NHL and MLB is, is fairly extraordinary. There's not been much of a or will there ever be a package like this probably ever again of, of assets at one time that that can be held in a bundle. And so it's a fairly unique opportunity, I think the um, the ability of Sinclair to operate and understand uh, localism, to understand regional fandom, um, to understand the passion and these like-minded communities, what they really begin to, to build. You know, people want to hang out with their friends. People want to understand, you know, I'm not allowed to say something bad about somebody else's team, but if I'm a huge diehard of the team, I'm the only one who can say something bad, right? Like it's, that's where fandom really is. So it's that connectivity to the audience it's the connectivity to the sport. It's the connectivity to the community, I think, which really drove that. And, and that's what we're looking to, to grow from now is to really make, you know, that community and that fandom, the, the fan at the core, the center of our focus of how to super serve both our team partners, the leagues with whom we partner and the fans that make them run. And the difference between, you know, regional and national is so huge, right? We look yep. at the NFL, which is strictly a national television broadcast, and everyone is getting the same information and hearing the same things at the same time. But when you look at regional sports, I think baseball and basketball, particularly, of course, hockey too, but I'll be honest, not the biggest hockey guy in the world, but I see it a lot with baseball and basketball. Everyone likes to hear the same broadcasters. Everyone likes to have the same ideologies you know, because you look at the New York market, there's two teams, but everyone wants to have the same perception of those teams. And you're reaching basically the same level of fans. So I think when you look at regional sports, you get way more personal to the fan than you would on any other national level, which again, football is king, but 
I think that's something that football lacks and doesn't have. And you guys are really taking advantage of it with the other major sports. Well, I think you hit on something that's really interesting there is that connectivity to personalize, right? I mean, it's something that, that we look at as really important to the business. And, and regardless of the sport, I, I will say that I see passion across all the sports. I, you know, to talk to NHL teams, I talked to, to, to an NBA team this morning, uh, Major League Baseball teams. There's a passion level at a personal level that, that really is, is extraordinary. Uh, you talk about it again for, for NFL as well. Um, I think wherever the passion lies for that fan is what we're looking to extend and grow. And, and uh, in a regional basis, on a regional basis, the sport is the sport. But wearing you wearing the colors, you attending the games, you purchasing the merch, you, are, you participating in a way that you can't necessarily for other teams, even if they're in your conference, if they're in your league um, and they're across the country, it's not the same as that personal feeling you get. Um, by being somebody who's close to a market or has come from a market. Uh, you know, you see a lot of people who, who were born and raised in areas who remain fans of that team for life, regardless of where they are. And that personal connectivity, that connection you talk about is something that we believe in uh, and we see growing that. And it's one of the reasons we think that, that adding the ability to create really entertaining and, and, and engaging experiences um, is, is one of the things we're going to do. So you talk about those engaging experiences. One of them that is evident and is growing at a rapid rate is the legalization of sports gambling. Now we are at a point where over 50% of states within the country can legally bet on sports. And I know that when you talk about regionalism, people get a little uncomfortable betting on their own teams, whatever the case may be. But in terms of just sports as a whole, professional sports leagues have kind of shifted away from wanting to gamble. But over the last couple of years, it seems like that push is becoming more and more evident. It's not going away. So leagues and teams are starting to buy into it a little more. What are you guys doing over at Sinclair with the networks you now have to really enhance that experience for the viewer? Yeah, well, it's a great question. And, and it's a big question, right? So I'll, I'll try to be very specific. I think what we're doing is we're using uh, the game mechanics, right? Essentially, uh, an ability for you to interact in a way that you choose, right? Consumer choice, uh, but use game mechanics in a way, whether it's free to play games, right? Justin, free to play games matter to people. They're fun. They can do them with their friends. Um, daily fantasy games, right? Um, there are several of them out there. And, and, and then there is the real money gaming. We, we don't hold licenses uh, for real money gaming. Um, anyone who wants to gamble uh, in states where it's legal and come to um, that opportunity through affiliation with us, we'll do it through our partners. Um, and so, you know, we don't, we don't solicit or, or take bets on our sites, but, you know, we have a partnership with Bally. Um, it, they became our naming rights partner. Um, and uh, they are, we renamed the network, the Valley Sports Network, um, the Fox Sports Networks, the regional ones. For that reason, uh, they did a, a sponsorship deal. They wanted their name to become, um, you know, associated uh, with sports and fandom. And so you can place in legal jurisdictions or you will be able to place in the future bets through Bally as well as others. So to your question, I think the, the ability for people to participate and play in a way that they choose to play, whether that's free or fantasy, whether it's to have a watch party and invite their friends, right? Everyone sits around, whether it's, you know, watching the big game or you're sitting there at home on a Friday night watching the game of the week, um, whatever that happens to be, people like to play. And I think the level of how they play is really what is important because it's gotta be consumer choice. 
we, we can't inundate them with, with things because they'll become what I call consumer fatigue, right? I don't, I'm, I'm highly concerned about consumer experience, right? A couple things just to point out. We want people to participate when they want. You talk about personalization. For me, that consumer has to want to participate. That will allow us to create a, what we call a, a consented data stream, right? Where they have given us their data, they've come in and told us who they are and what they want to do and what they want to play. And they've set choices. They can also set limits, right? When you're gambling and gaming in a real money state, everyone should think about that, right? Responsible gaming is important. But how you want to play, how often you want to play, whether you want to play for free or for fantasy or for real money, those are all choices. And what we're trying to do is set up a system, an ecosystem, where a fan can participate, love their sport, love their team, and have the ability to play at the same time. And that really leads us to that watch and play mentality that you've heard our CEO, Chris Ripley, talk about many times. And it's the ability for you to participate if you choose or sit back and just watch. And having that choice is what we think is going to be a differentiator. So when you talk about that choice, it's really interesting because I think that I would fit the demographic of someone that you're probably trying to reach in terms of just gamification in general, because, you know, just out of college, making a little bit of money now, like I love sports in any type of capacity. I understand that. But then there's also that fine line of the 50 year old man who, you know, just is in love with baseball and wants to watch it the same way that they've always watched it their entire lives. So how hard is it to kind of toe the line of giving people the option to play, but also not really making it overbearing in terms of promoting it while watching these games? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, and I think you're right. You, you talk about age and stage, right? You and, and, and the, across the demographics, right? Across the age of, of the consumer, um, it has to be, it has to be just by their choice, right? So what I mean by that is we're working right now, we're going to do some things um, with, with, our, with our streams um, that'll add some interactive overlays but there'll be overlays that a consumer has a choice to participate in. And that's literally for statistics. That's just an element, right? Gamification and game mechanics can be as easily as looking at stats, as predicting who's going to have more points in the next quarter, right? So it's using that element of gamification to let you participate. But, but really critical here is it can't disrupt the experience, right? It's not sitting on top of a game. It's keeping the game streams clean. It's making it an ability to participate, but do it in such a way that it doesn't disrupt, disrupt the game experience. So we, you know, we, we also want to be very, very careful, and we're being very careful to, to make sure that the rights that we have and that the rights that are being distributed to the consumers, that we don't disrupt that stream, right? We want to make sure that we are keeping that stream uh, and with the partners at the leagues, making sure we're honoring and in partnership, creating experiences that they're one, they've already, they know about two, they've approved and three, that doesn't provide the sense of an overwhelming experience to a fan, right? The last thing we want to do is to alienate a fan. It's to grow a fan. It's to grow the, the experience with the fan and the depth of engagement. So it's really important that when we do a lot of testing, right, what we're doing is data-driven uh, experiences. And what we're doing is we're going to take a look at a lot of um, A and B tests, right? We'll take a look at how this consumer reacted to this versus how this consumer reacted to that. We'll take a look at the data. We'll pivot with the experiences that one are providing more engagement because at the end of the day, the leagues, the teams we're partnered with and us, we all want the fans to have a better experience. We want to have them have a longer experience. The more they're engaged, the better for everyone, right? Because that leads us into commerce opportunities. It leads us into the ability for fans to be happier and share that with their friends. 
the user journey that you talk about defining for a consumer has to keep them at the core. If they don't have a good time, the rest of this literally is a domino effect and has a, could have a negative impact. So you have to keep fan-centric experiences at the core. You have to let them know what you're going to do. You have to not, not impede the quality of the streams so they get the games they want. And let's also, you know, let's, let's also be honest. Some people don't want to participate. They just want to watch. Mm -hmm. So let them watch and don't bother them. But if they, if they want to participate, let's give them the choice. That was my question in a nutshell, because that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, I know I watch sports with my dad all the time. My dad's 44 years old and he, you know, he knows that I like, you know, will place bets on sports all the time. And he like goes off of my reaction. He's like, I don't know how you do that. And it's like, yeah, well, I'm doing it because that's what is fun for me. And he watched the game with me because not only does he like to see my reaction, but he likes it at the core. He loves it. He grew me up to be a diehard sports fan. So Yes. What I'm saying is I think that what you guys are doing is perfect because it is all about the fan experience and not every fan wants the same thing. And I think towing that line, especially with regional sports networks, it's harder, right? Because you have to go one sport might not have gaming in any type of sense. One sport does maybe in this market, this team stinks and you have to find a different way to bring them in than you would with another team. So you know, now that it is expediating, how is it over the last couple of years that has really, really changed? And what is the process that you're seeing? And, you know, going forward, it's going to just keep getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, well, you, you bring it up. We've seen a velocity in the marketplace. And you talk about it, I think, at the top of, of the podcast that um, more states have legalized the ability to participate. And so that velocity is just going to continue. I think, so, you know, some of those states uh, are not yet live. You know, you got a half dozen or more that are not yet live, but it's legal. Um, so I think the velocity, I think the velocity will continue. I think what's going to begin to evolve is what those experiences are that matter the most to customers. Because right now, if you're looking at, and again, this is just from a real money point of view, it's really the customer acquisition, right? The, 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 the sports books, the gaming companies want to get people in and, and build accounts, okay? So there's an ability to try to acquire that customer. Then what do they do um, once they're there, right? What's the additional value once Justin and JR and your dad and my family and friends, once they're all in, beyond the game, right? What else can you do? And I think that's the thing we're also trying to explore because anything we do again, that has to do with real money is not through our business. It's through our partnerships, right? Through our related um, partners. So, so that's done on their sites and, and the data is stored with them. So we need to create the ability for people to have fun and be entertained at the same time, giving them those choices. So to your question, I think what will continue to happen is there'll be more opportunities for people to engage but you're gonna to have to create things like you mentioned earlier, personalized experiences. People will have to be rewarded and incentivized to consume, right? The rewards will have to be real. Because at the end of the day, Justin, let's say you finished betting on your favorite sports for the weekend or you didn't bet at all, okay? So how do we continue to keep you engaged? How do we continue to get your 44 year old father engaged? Well, it might be features that he cares about, what we call curated content, right? We'll take content, and there'll be a recommendation engine based on the data he's consented to give us, his likes, his dislikes, whatever. And he might want to watch something. He might want to share with his friends. Okay, he may want to play um, a free-to-play bingo game or a, a skill-based game where he tries to shoot a hoop, okay? And he'll, he'll, he'll seek points for that. Those points might have a redemption capability down the line. He might even get into owning a token, an NFT, and that offers him membership in his favorite team's 
um, season ticket plan. And all of a sudden he goes down and gets, you know, a, a free Coke. Um, I just gave a, a, a free plug there, but a, a soda, right? Uh, a soda or a, a popcorn based on the points he's earned and never spent a penny. It was a free money, free to play game, not real money. And yet he just now was awarded and rewarded and he was incentivized to participate. My point for giving that little user journey, I'm sorry if it was long-winded, is that we're looking at ways to personalize experiences. Which is awesome. And I think what you said was very important that you have to kind of reach people that are willing to spend money and not willing to spend money. Just in the end, everyone is having fun and seeing different rewards for participating, which is massive. Of course, number one goal is to keep the consumer engaged. And you guys are obviously doing a great job of that. And two of the things that I wanted to hit on that are specific, you did bring up a couple of different things. One of them was NFTs. You guys have a new NFT sports store. You also, with the tournament coming up, have a new March Madness perfect bracket predictor game. If you could explain what those are for the viewer and maybe get them a little excited as we are hitting that time of year where everyone is going to be glued to their TVs watching sports 24-7. Sure. Well, so the NFT store, thank you for bringing it up, is called Own Mine, O-W-N-M-I-N-E, you know, where you can own your moment. And the idea here was to build the foundational ability to bring uh, NFTs to markets where fans and communities could participate and see art and see art that's reminiscent of sports and moments that they love without without using name, image, and likeness of the sports teams or the leagues, right? Because that's really important. Those leagues and the teams own those logos and those images and those videos. And so we don't want to do anything uh, to infringe upon that. We want to be something that is incremental to that. We want to talk about that community. So the Own Mind store, which is on the Shopify platform, you can go to shopownmind.com and you can go right to the store. So thanks for letting me throw that in. And the idea is with each season, with each moment in time, there'll be, there'll be images and artwork that will remind you of that moment. And so, you know, we are not creating an auction type house at this point. We're not creating a rarities market. We're creating a collectibles market where fans of communities can participate, where they can feel great about owning something that's, that reminds them or that they're part of something inclusive of the sport that they love. The other element of that is we are seeking through our partner teams and our partner leagues, the ability to feature and highlight local and regional artists that have moments that they've created that are at the intersection of the sport they love and the region in which we are participating. So the whole idea here for the future is we will create community featured artists and there's a community faves section on uh, in the store now where people will be featured in the, in the future. So it's really a part of creating a community. Um, eventually we hope the tokens and we envision a marketplace where the tokens will have utility as well. There'll be some unlock capabilities for future benefits, but for now, this is being part of a community. And then on the back end of it, uh, we're, we're lining ourselves up to be an e-commerce uh, store as well. We have a real life um, merchandise piece on the back of it. So while part of the virtual is fully real, you can also have merchandise at the back in the own mind store. So that's really, that's really going to give you a, a taste for, for that. As it relates to the perfect predictor bracket challenge, yeah, we are we are running sponsored promotions for our partners at Bally Interactive there who are uh, running the contest. And um, it's really a very cool contest, as you, as you know. Um, the, the, the men's basketball uh, championships are always a highly talked about occasion. Um, My favorite sporting event 
ever. Every it's hard time. not to love it. I, I I listened to one of the, you know, so we listened to Scott Van Pelt last night on uh, SVP on ESPN. And he talks about, you know, he calls it our favorite time, like everyone in the world. He's not wrong. Right. And uh, it's fantastic. And you got a lot of sentiment this year with Coach K and and, and the season at Duke and everything that's happening. So uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting and always fun time. This challenge is very interesting. It's one of it's got one of the highest or, or largest potential payouts of grand prize that's ever been offered. And the unique part about it is that our partners at, at Bally's uh, wanted to create something really special uh, and interesting that would grab people's attention. And so we'll be uh, running again, like I said, through sponsored promotions across our channels, uh, we'll be running promotions for that. The Bally Perfect Predictor Challenge game, all the uh, your listeners can find it at ballybracketchallenge.com or ballysports.com slash win. And by the time this podcast releases, that will be live because we will have a selection Sunday and we will be able to put in our perfect brackets. I know for sure I will be participating in it. You know, with any luck, again, this is coming out after maybe Syracuse wins the ACC tournament. <laughs> They're in there. And, and, you know, we could pick them to go all the way. JR, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to seeing everything that Sinclair is going to be offering throughout the next couple of years and seeing really how gamification is going to be growing. And I appreciate you and your efforts in helping grow that consumer experience. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. Glad to be here with you. Uh, enjoyed it and happy to talk, talk to you at any time. A big thank you to J.R. McCabe for joining me on this episode of View from the Grandstand. Appreciate you guys for making it to the end of the episode. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at MediaVillage.com. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And give me a follow on Twitter as well at JPora24. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for tuning in. And I'll talk to you next time.